Hey, so uh, tonight, if you've got a Bible, please break it open. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6 tonight. If you've got a notepad and a pen, you can write at the top of it. Here's, this, here's the title where we're going tonight. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. You can write that down at the top of the page. Jesus is my Lord. Now that sounds very churchy. I'm going to be honest. That sounds real churchy in its lingo. And that whole phrase, it sounds like something you would only hear in church. But here's the deal. I want to I ask you the question. What do you think it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life? What do you think it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life? If you've got a notepad and pen, or if you have a device to write on, this is what I encourage you to do. Answer the question. Take 15 seconds to think about it. What would you answer to the question of what does it look like to make Jesus Lord of your life? For Kennedy to say, Jesus is my Lord, what is she saying with that? For Jack to say, Jesus is my Lord, what is he saying by that? For anyone in this room to say that Jesus is Lord, what are you really trying to tell someone? What does that mean for you to say Jesus is Lord? If I were to look culturally or historically what that means, I'll put this on the board real quick. I'll show you. When I think about the word Lord from a cultural standpoint, I think that could mean the boss, someone who is lording something over something. They're the boss. To command or to rule, that's a verb form of Lord. An heir to the throne. This would be uh, an, a lord. Um, the music artist lord with the E at the end. Ruler in Scotland during the 1600s. My lord, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, a phrase to use when I'm amazed. Like, oh, lordy, you know, that kind of deal. A property owner, the lord of that castle or whatever it would be. An individual in control, the giver of commands. Or Fiona, it's her... Ex-fiance, I guess you would call it. I don't know. Lord Farquaad, right? There are different ideas and thoughts about what the Lord is or what that means to be Lord from a cultural or historical standpoint. But today I want to talk about what it means biblically. Jack, if you could turn, turn faces with me. I want you to think through what it means biblically. And this is what I would say from Scripture. It means this is the one. When I say Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm saying this. He is the one with the right to do three things, speak truth, to give commands, and to lead my life. He is the one to speak truth, to give commands, and to lead me in my life. Those three elements are defining the idea of me making Jesus Lord of my life. Now, this is difficult to do because, to be honest, we don't like to give up our rights. I don't want to give up the right that I have to do something. But when we make Jesus Lord of our life, what we're saying is I'm giving my rights over to the Lord for him to decide what is to happen next. And I'm just going to be honest with you from a guy who's a millennial hanging out with a lot of Gen Z students in the room. This concept, huh? Yeah, I'm a millennial. That's what I am. Yeah. What do you want me to tell you? That is a question for another day. 29 years old, 1992. Okay, that's when I was born. Here's the deal. This is a difficult concept for people in the room right here. And the reason is, shh, right here. 
The reason is because we grew up in a world that struggled with authority. Anyone who is a Lord, that was a challenge for millennials and for Gen Z. I'll show you some examples real quick. Look at the screen. There's this movie that came out a while back, and it was called The Hunger Games. And the whole, shh, shh, just track with me. Listen, just track with me. Shh. District 13, the whole goal was to overthrow the Capitol because the Capitol were the bad guys. This next TV show that, or movie series that came out is called Divergent. The whole idea here is that the concept is that there is um, uh, different factions that are trying to overthrow the adults who are boxing them in. The next one was The Maze Runner. And The Maze Runner is another show where these guys... Anybody seen The Maze Runner? Y'all track with me, yeah? So here's the deal. Maze Runner was a show where these guys are trying to overthrow, to dethrone the corporate, the evil corporation that was trying to oppress them. I was watching the TV show Andor right now. It's on Disney Plus about Star Wars. And here's the deal. It's all about a rebel alliance throwing over the government of the evil empire. That's the concept. And we have grown up in a world of entertainment where we look at authorities, people in power as the bad guy, and that we're here to go against them, to rebel against them. Hang on, hang on, time out. I'm not done. Hang on. We also see this politically. Y'all have seen the drama that has unfolded. I'm not making a political statement. I'm saying we have seen the drama unfold in the last eight years between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And we look at this, just level with me for a second. We look at it and we're like, this can't be what leadership is about. We look at this and we say, this can't be. Shh, listen. Don't tell me that Gen Z and millennials aren't frustrated with what's happening at the top. We also think about it when we walk through the pandemic and we walk through COVIDs and there was this mistrust of what's going on with vaccinations, about the jabs, about censorship. We saw things about police stuff going all over the news. And the question is, listen right here, we struggle to trust authorities or people in power or people who are at the top. There's a struggle with that. I'm being real with you. You guys, myself included in our generations, struggle with this. So much so, and here, here's, what, here's the indicator. So much so that when the Bible, if I were to stand and say the Bible teaches that there are just two genders, male and female, and they are God-given at someone's birth, you are immediately called a bigot, a buffoon. You're canceled in culture. Because you have just made a statement that says what someone else is doing is wrong. And when we look at the authority of Scripture on all sorts of topics, that's just one. The world struggles. This generation, my generation, we struggle with the authority boxing in or telling you what you can or cannot do. Y'all resonate with Y'all track with me? Y'all see how we've gotten to this spot where that's a challenge for us? I'm here to tell you that because I'm not oblivious to it. When I say Jesus is Lord, all of you should have a little bit of attention in your heart, a little bit, because you've dealt with so much distrust, tension with authorities in the life around you. My challenge for you tonight is very simple. It's straightforward. Jesus is worthy of being the Lord in your life. He is so worthy of it. He's the only one who can be the Lord that you need to walk through this life.
We're going to take two weeks, this week and next week, to walk through how Jesus is Lord of Trey Simon's life from beginning to end, from sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and beyond. Every one of you are represented there. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I'm going to challenge you with. is in Romans 6.23. There's a verse that I love. It is so good. And y'all have seen this verse. This isn't new to you, but I'll show it to you. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, you know this one, yeah. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to highlight this. There's three parts of this verse. The first part is for the wages of sin is death. What this is saying, Trey, you got saved when? When did you get saved? Can you come up on stage with me? Come here real quick. Trey, you, growing up, were born into a life of sin. You made mistakes. Growing up, you'd sneak into the pantry, you'd take an Oreo, or you would hit your sister. Shh. Hey, listen, Jack, I don't need it, Jack. Jack, tighten up, bud. This is your last warning, Jack. Trey grows up, and he's making mistakes all the time. Because Trey's struggling. And he's figuring out, how do I honor my parents well? How do I love my siblings well? How do I not cheat? How do I not lie? How do I not take something that I'm not supposed to take? There's sin in his heart. And Trey's not the only, it's not like Trey's like, well, Trey, man, golly, Bill. You know, Trey is just like every one of us, okay? But here's the good news. The second part says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, Trey had sin in his life that cost him the penalty of death, which is eternal separation from God. But God loves him so much, he made a way for Trey to be saved. And how old were you got saved? Seven or eight years old. Do you know where it was when you got saved? Uh, yeah. Where? On your counter, at your hand. Are you talking to your mom and dad? That's cool. So he's talking to a family, made a decision to follow Jesus, and in that moment, you received the free gift of God. But how did you do it? It was by making Jesus the Lord of your life. Yeah? Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, Trey, for your help. Here's the deal. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, what has happened is this. You have made Jesus the Lord of your life. He is now in the captain's seat. He is now in the driver's seat. He's now the, the guy who is making decisions. I want to show you a video, and real quick before I go there, I wanted to go ahead and preface it. It was like 14 years ago, so it's a little bit old, okay? The quality's not great, but the concept here is something that stuck out big time for me when I was in middle school. My youth pastor showed me this, and I was like, man, this makes sense about giving, the Lord, giving Jesus the seat of being the Lord in my life. So turn your attention to the screen. I'm going to show you this real quick, and we'll come back. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Kathleen, <laughs> guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. <laughs> oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. 
You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay, okay. so let's start over. Okay. All right. Cat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I, just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Uh, it's, it's a, it can be a little cheese at times, but here's the concept. Here's the concept. When you got saved, you made Jesus the Lord of the life. You gave him... Right here, guys, right here. He gave you, you gave Jesus the captain seat. You did that for salvation. Lord, you're in charge. I can't save myself. I need you. I give you the Lord. I make you Lord of my life. Amen. That is one of the best decisions you ever make in making Jesus Lord of life. But my question to follow up is that for the church today, those who would say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Let me ask you this. Is he still on the throne in your life today? Is he still on your throne, on your life, in your heart today? And what I mean by that is he's still the one that you're looking to to lead you in your life, to show you what is true and what is right, to give you the commands to follow in your life. Is he still the Lord in that way? If you are taking notes tonight, we're going to hit on the first one of these today. We may hit on another one today a little bit, but we're going to tackle the actions next week. But this week, we're really going to focus on the heart. And what you can write in your notes is this. Jesus is Lord of my heart. Jesus as Lord of my heart. And this is going to focus heavily on your thoughts, your desires, even your attitude, the way you look at things, the way that you um, think through things, the way that you uh, choose not to be anxious about things, all of that is wrapped up in the heart, in the mind of a person. So tonight, we're going to look at that real quick through a couple different verses, and we'll walk through it. So let me start with Philippians chapter 4. I believe it's verse 7 or 8. Is that right? Yeah, verse, or verse 6. Yeah. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Have y'all ever felt anxious about something? Have you ever felt anxious about dealing with something? Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's about being a friend. Maybe it's the first day of school, walking in, trying to find out where you're going to sit at the lunch table. That was always such an anxious thing for me when I was in middle school. We all walk through it. And it's a real thing. But what Jesus is saying through his word is he says he doesn't want you to be anxious about anything. He says, but in everything through prayer and supplication, which means just prayer and talking to the Lord with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So if I'm anxious, 
about something coming to life. I'm going to let the Lord know about the issues I'm having. And then this is what he says next. Verse 7 It's so good. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Students, this past week I was buying a really big purchase for me and my fiance. We're going on a trip in December when we get married. And I was trying to buy the tickets, and I had it all lined up. Everything was set. I went to click it, and they said that the seats were sold out for our flights. And I was like big time worried in the moment because I'd already booked the resorts, you know. I was like, I did a little backwards here, you know. I was trying to work through it. I was nervous about the cost of it all, what other flights were going to be available. Delta's employees were all going on strike, so I couldn't use their flight things. I wasn't sure about that one. I was nervous. You know what I did? I immediately took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you've taken care of me everywhere else in this deal. I'm going to trust you with this one. I'm not worried about that right now. Genuinely, I'm not concerned about what's going to happen. I'm, it's all going to be taken care of. And students, you have many issues in your life, both big and small, that God is saying, don't be anxious about it. I've been good enough to take care of you for your eternal salvation. Am I not good enough to take care of you right now in this moment too? He is asking and requesting of you to trust the Lord, not to be anxious. Another verse that we have up here, let me go to the next one real quick for us, is Proverbs 3, 5. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Some of you guys have a difficult situation. Maybe it's in your home and you're struggling with maybe dynamics between family or maybe you have a beef with the siblings and you're just struggling, man. And you're not sure how any of this is going to work out. And what the Lord is saying, man, trust the Lord with all your heart. The road may look very crooked, but trust the Lord that he's going to make your path straight. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil, for your God is with you in the middle of it. When it says, make Jesus Lord of your life, what he's saying is, you should trust the Lord when you're dealing with difficult problems, when you're dealing with stuff that makes you anxious, you should trust the Lord in all of it. Let me go to the next verse right here for us. We'll go one more. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm not going to read this whole verse, but what he says, can we go one more verse down? Verse 2. He says, do not, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be changed by this world. What it, means, what it means is if I'm walking through life, I don't want to be like the rest of the world around me. I want to be different. How does that happen? How do I not conform to the ways of the world? It's so simple. I'm allowing the Lord to change my mindset by the renewal of my mind. And what that looks like, right here, right here, what that looks like is allowing the old ways of how you would think through stuff be changed by the word of God. You know what's so cool, what's so fascinating? Is that if I were to do the things, if I were to tackle this life the way that I used to back in the day, I promise you, I would be so worried and anxious every single day of my life. But today, I deal with problems all the time. You guys deal with problems all the time. I could go through each one of y'all's list of issues and you would be able to talk about all the challenges and problems you face. If you're not doing it through a renewed mind as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as Jesus' Lord in the middle of those situations, I promise you're going to struggle. 
One more verse for me. I'll go to this last one, and then we'll, we'll talk more about this idea of making Jesus Lord of your heart. Philippians 4, verse 8. This one is so good. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, which commendable means just kind of like good or approving or it's, it's, it's approvable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I feel like y'all were not tracking there. Can we, can we look at this one more time? Y'all try, listen right here. This is the last verse I'll go to for a while. Here you go, last one. Finally, brothers, whatever is what? Whatever is? Whatever is? Whatever is? Whatever is? Whatever is? Which means like approved or like good. That kind of if there is any? If there is anything? Bravo. What does he tell you to do? This is key right here. He tells you to? That was, you tailed off, but it was good. You did good, all right? Here's the deal. There's a command from Paul that says, you got to be proactive in thinking about these things. And no one is thinking about these things if they have not made Jesus the Lord of their life. Now that I'm a follower of Jesus, I have got to be proactive in thinking about things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely in the eyes of the Lord and the people around me, whatever is approved or commendable, whatever is excellent and worthy of the praise, that's what I've got to be active in thinking about. If I were to take all of, I'm going to John real quick. I've been going to John a bunch. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to go right here. It's your birthday day, isn't it, Aiden? Yeah. If I were to go to Aiden, over the last 24 hours, everything that Aiden has thought through his mind would just be like a long receipt, you know, like, like just spitting it out. Even right now, they're like typing another one, putting it on there, like, ching, you know, just keep adding it, you know? Aiden has thoughts all day long. And my question is this. How many of those thoughts for Aiden is he taking and thinking, how does this apply to the Lord Jesus Christ in my life? Does he have the right to help dictate what I think about? Does he have the right to help shape when, I'm think- when my thoughts are going this direction? Does he have the right to think and change that? Will I submit to the Lord when I know when I'm thinking about something that is wrong to help shift that back? Does God have the right to do that in my life? Do I- Do do I trust what the Lord has to say? Is he Lord in that? I could go through every one of us and we would have a long list of things that we process and think through every day. And my question for you today as students is, is Jesus the Lord of all the things that you're thinking through? Is he the Lord of your heart? When you wake up in the morning, do you think about what does God want you to do today? When you lie down at night, do you think, man, thank you, Lord, for how you blessed me today? When you're walking through the school and you see people passing by you left and right, do I see people in the school hallway and I think, I wonder if they love Jesus. I wonder if they know who Jesus is. I wonder if they've ever even heard the good news of the gospel. When Jesus becomes the Lord of your heart, you begin thinking differently. God didn't just come to save you just to 
for a one moment hit and run moment at salvation when Trey was seven or eight years old, God is in the business of being Lord of his life from that point all the way into eternity. And he's the true for every, it's true for every one of us. I've been reading in the Bible the stories of David. Y'all know King David? Y'all have heard of him, right? Yeah. King David dealt with so many challenging things in his life. Remember the big Goliath guy? He was no joke. Like this tall. It may be taller. I don't know. He was like nine meters tall or feet tall or something. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't meters. Chill, okay? All right? Yeah, he was like, he was like huge. Yeah. Goliath was gigantic. And all of the army was terrified against him. They didn't want to go fight him at all. They're sitting on the sideline like, dude, who's going to go do that? They're kind of like, you know, I don't know. You know, like they're kind of nervous. David walks up the first day on the battlefield and he says, thinking about this as God is Lord. Listen, listen. Because he knows that God is Lord. He says, who is this guy that would stand up and defile the nation of Israel that God has blessed and promised to take care of? David goes out there, young little whippersnapper, and slays Goliath. Shh, right here. Come on, y'all. King Saul's in his courts. King Saul throws a spear at him, trying to kill him. You would think people would be wanting to get revenge. David says, I cannot harm the Lord's anointing. What he's saying is, I trust the Lord in all of this. He sees me, I'm gonna trust the Lord. He is Lord of my life. I'm not gonna worry about taking action myself. I'm gonna trust him here. Later on today, I was reading today, his son Absalom is trying to take the throne from David and David tells him, he says, if the Lord takes the throne from me, so be it. I'm good with it. If the Lord gives me the throne, so be it. Cool as well. I'm just gonna trust the Lord. That's Psalm 16, 17 or so. This is a guy who knew the Lord in a rich way. He says, oh Lord, my God. He knows him in this intimate way as the Lord of his life. And he trusts him even in the difficult moments, in the good moments, he leans in. Have you ever seen the movie Toy Story 3? You know when Buzz Lightyear, he's got like the thing where he's like, Buzz Lightyear, and he's like shooting around to the laser deal. You know, he's not, he doesn't have a laser, but he thinks he does for a little bit. Well, then they like push the switch and he programs back into like the like, Ninja version of Buzz Lightyear, you know what I'm talking about? He's like, space what? Well, then they push the reset button and like, don't hold it more than five seconds. And Rex is like, uh oh, you know? And then all of a sudden he's like, hola amigos, you know? And he's like, do you know what I'm talking about? And he starts like dancing and like, he like, I don't know, it's so funny. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I tell you that because here's the deal. I tell you that because here's the deal. Making Jesus the Lord of your heart is not as easy as flipping a switch. It's not. You can't just move it side back and forth and that's like, oh yeah, it's all cool. Like I just trust a little bit, it's cool beans, no big deal, yada, yada. You got to reset. You've got to reset when you're dealing with issues or challenges to put the Lord back on the throne of your heart. Because so often... 
we will take Jesus and say, Jesus is my Lord. He is king and he sits on the throne. But then all of a sudden we go to school and our friend says, hey, dude, look at this on the social media that I saw. When you know your parents told you not to watch that, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know, maybe just like one glance. Next thing you know, Jesus is over in the corner and you're back in the seat of the throne. And you're doing things that you know that the Lord of your life has told you to honor your parents and you're breaking that right then and there. And you're like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. You've got to reset. Put the Lord back on the throne. And then next time when someone walks up to you and says, dude, check this out, you're like, nah, man, I'm good, bro, I'm cool. You're like, what do you mean you're cool? You're like, listen, I know, I don't try to be weird, but like, I'm, I'm cool, man, I'm good, I'm fine. And just don't. Why? Because the Lord is on your throne and you're going to honor him in the middle of that moment. This is really hard to do, students. I'm not trying to like front, like this is just like, Turn the switch and you're good to go. I'm telling you, this is a struggle. This is a struggle for everyone, whether in their middle school, high school, college, or they're an adult, to keep Jesus on the throne of our heart every single day, to obey him and to trust him in all that we do is a challenge. But if you can create the habits right now as a young woman of the Lord walking with Jesus or a young man following the Lord, Right now in middle school, you can create that habit of trusting the Lord as the Lord of your heart and your thinking and your desires. I promise it will change the trajectory of your entire life in the days ahead because you are faithful in keeping Jesus as Lord of your life. I promise. Next week, when we come back to this passage talking through Jesus Lord, I'm going to talk to you about all the blessings that come when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Are y'all cool with that? Today, I've talked to you a little bit about the big picture of it. I've talked about how you can start right now through Scripture, how you can start making Jesus Lord of your heart. Next week, we're going to talk about how, what that looks like practically for you and the blessings that come when you follow the Lord as the Lord of your life. Okay? Here's what I'm going to ask right here. Y'all have heard me talk about Jesus as Lord, but some of you in this room have never made that decision to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. 